Welcome to the Water Podcast. Water is a family of libraries for testing web applications. You can find more about it at water.com. Welcome to episode 62, recorded on October 24th, 2016. My name is David McNella, and I'm a software tester in Southern California. Today, I'm talking with Titus Fortner. Titus, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing really well. It's good to have you back. And I want to congratulate you on your new position that you'll be starting soon at oh, Sauce you. Labs. Yes, I'm really excited to get to work with uh, with that company. What are some of the things that you like about Sauce Labs? Besides the obvious that they are the first and primary company that people turn to to run their tests on the cloud. Honestly, I'm especially excited to get to work with Neil. He's the solution architect there that I'm going to be working with. And he uh, was really excited and, and really pushed for me to apply and get on board. And, and I'm, I'm really excited to get to work with him and pretty much everyone who I interviewed with, I was really excited to get to know. And so it's going to be a slightly different, uh, I'm, I'm in the sales department. So it's a slightly different set of skills than I'm used to. And so I'm really excited to get to work with clients and do testing for more than just one company at a time. Well, that's good. Anyone who doesn't remember, Neil Manvar was on episode 59. And if you want to listen to that podcast, you can find it on soundcloud.com. So the reason that we have Titus on is because the last episode we had was for Watersome with Alex Radianoff. And he was explaining about his page objects, Jim. And I wanted to talk to Titus because he has a page objects, Jim. And I wanted to ask him about it. So, Titus, what encouraged you to create your own page object, Jim? There is not an especially good way that I have found to properly abstract page objects in a way that doesn't get in the way of the power that water provides or doesn't obfuscate what's going on. And so... Essentially, obviously, the 100-pound the gorilla in the Ruby space for page objects is Cheesy's Page Object Gem. And it's been around forever, and a lot of people have used it, and it's part of, he's got his book, and there's lots of other, other great things around it. The basic design decision around that a long time ago, though, ago was based on the fact that both Water and Selenium were implemented in very different ways. And so one of his design decisions was to allow his page object gem to work for both Selenium and Water. Well, now that Water is based on Selenium, that mostly just complicates everything. So the code is more complicated and there's a lot of stuff that is accessing private APIs in the Water code. And essentially it, it just really kind of forces the code into a corner as far as what things of Water it can really use fully. Water And what Alex did with Watersim is really great because it, it's a very similar approach to Cheesy's page object gem, only he's created in such a way that it, it allows for the full use of Water's elements and all of the power that comes uh, with that. My issue with both of those gems, and the reason I didn't use either of those gems, they both take a, a DSL approach, a domain-specific language to a certain extent. For instance, when you're including their their module, you get several methods in your, your namespace that makes it use. So for instance, you've got visit, and then you pass in a visit method that you pass in a string to represent the class that represents the, the page you want to visit. Mm -hmm. 
And so it's it's kind of like a hey, this is more English language, right? Visit login page. Mm-hmm. And that and then, you know, in the page object itself, you have a lot of a lot of things that you get to use directly. And what I'm looking to do is to keep it a little bit more directly object oriented. So trying to be more of a library with just a direct API, which is you new up an object, you pass in the whatever parameters into whatever methods, something that that keeps you, essentially, if you're learning a DSL, you learn that DSL. If you're learning a library and an API, you're learning the programming language that can be applied in other places. So not just that domain. And so the more we can write code that is easy to both understand what's getting acted on where, the easier it is to become a better developer in general. And so that's that's something that was a big priority to me for why I wanted to develop my own page object gem. Okay. So, so super it, long answer to your question. Okay, so if I could rephrase that, you're saying that you want your you want your library to be more programmer oriented and less let's see. Okay, it's so hard to say, huh? Yeah, I, <laughs> I for instance, when you're defining an element on like Cheesy's or Watersum's page object gems, you're defining what type of element you, you have and you're passing in a string that represents the ID or the name or whatever it is. And so you're, you're creating these convenience approaches to defining an element. And water drops, on the other hand, there are only, you don't define which type of element in the class method. You, are, you just have element for a single element and elements for a collection of elements, and you are spelling out the entire water nomenclature for defining elements. You're doing browser dot text field, and then you're passing in ID foo or whatever that is. So you see the entire object method parameter definition that goes with that specific keyword. So essentially just, just making it obvious what's going where. There's no magic. There's no... Uh, convenience. So it's we're favoring explicit over concise, I guess, is the best way to put it. No, you're not taking shortcuts that say, oh, and then this will get passed into here, because then the user has to figure out what that string represents. It's easy enough to figure out where that string goes, perhaps, but if you make it more explicit from the beginning, then you don't have to figure out what's allowed and what's not allowed. It's all directly there on the object. All right. How long has the water drops gem been out? So I definitely still consider it in beta. There are, I, it's on its second kind of rewrite at this point. I started essentially with, so the last company I was at, we were using Cheesy's page object gem. And I started just kind of taking what he had and the same syntax and then rewriting it in a way that, again, kind of removed some of the limitations, but, but kept a lot of the same syntax. And then I rewrote it again to make it more explicit, like I was saying. There are still a number of features that should get added to I mean, the whole page object gem is literally like 100 lines long. So it's not, there's not a whole lot to figure out what's going on. I kind of look at it as, hey, here's an easy way to organize your representation of a page with a few convenience methods and an easy way to see what your elements are in one place. And I guess that's another thing is I don't have the fault actions for any element type like oftentimes if you if you call an element in cheesies like that'll do a click or it'll return the text value and and i essentially require you to what method do you want to act on this element because there are oftentimes when you 
are trying to interact with an element. Well, I guess there's a lot of times when the convenience methods that a page object framework gives you are not convenient. And so you have to do the workaround. And in cheesy page object gem, that's like, if you do underscore element, then you get the underlying water element or selenium element that you're using. Mm -hmm. And the more you have to do that, the, the less useful the entire framework becomes. Either you can do 99%, of, like if you can't do 90 plus percent of what you need without having to, to drop down to the underlying element, then, then I would argue that it's not as useful of a whole, of a framework, and that you should be looking to try and do something else that you can stay consistent with. Okay. So I think what you're saying, though, is at some point, you feel like the convenience of the wrapper stops being convenient, and then yeah, when it becomes too inconvenient, then you just stop using it. Yeah, I guess that's a good way of looking at it. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. You're still in beta. Uh, <laughs> do you feel like that it's getting some some use out there? Well, I believe the only company using it was the company that I was recently working at, and we used it. It worked very well for what we needed, and we were able to replace everything we were doing with, with Cheesy's gem with water drops. It seemed to make a, a lot of sense to the, the new people that were using it, and so there are definitely some things that I would like to tidy up. Actually, I would just like to get some pair programming on it because I pretty much I kind of bottled it after something Brett Pettigore had done. Mm-hmm and put something together and, and added a few things, but it's still something that I would like to get other people to look at and, and kind of really dig into the way I'm implementing it. And like I said, it's only 100 lines long or so. So it's I've got a, a list of another dozen features that I would like to also add to it at some point. Mm -hmm. I understand that. I've, I've, I've got a gem that's probably got close to 10,000 downloads now. I think they're all from one company. <laughs> and that's because... I put it in the in the gem files. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so, okay, that's good. All right. What did you base it on from Brett? I was talking to, to Cheesy a, a few weeks ago, and he was talking about one of the most difficult things in testing is not the, the tests themselves. It's the, the data modeling and the data management. And uh, working with Brett, man, probably a year ago at this point, almost, we were talking about the need for... Well, Essentially, at, Brett and I both worked together at Blackbot, and Blackbot had this monstrosity of a page object slash MVC framework for testing called Watermark. And Watermark did some amazingly wonderful things, but was very over-engineered. And so that was one of the impetus for Water Drops is, hey, let's not over-engineer this. And it was very over-engineered, and I really didn't like how the modeling was done. So like the data models, it was essentially all of the defaults were passed in based in a class method that accepted a block, and that's how everything was defined. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no, no, we want to instantiate a model with, with whatever parameters we need, and we want intelligent defaults so that whatever you don't pass in, it, it works. And so Brett essentially said, hey, I'm putting together this, this model gem. What, uh, what all would you like to see there? And so I listed off the requirements that, that I had based on my frustrations with Watermark's model. And he whipped something up that was really great. And I've, I've since added some things to it, again, that need some peer review. But essentially what he put together was really concise and really elegant. And I essentially copied what he did to do something similar with page objects. And the the model and the page object gems actually go hand in hand because one is essentially storing the keywords on the page and the other is storing data 
for the page essentially. So filling out a form, one of the things that, that water drops will do is like there's a fill form method that whatever, if it matches the keys from the data model with the elements, if it's got the same name as an element on the page, it will pass in the data to those fields essentially. So things like that, that allow you to, to really better manage the data as it interacts with the page. Okay, that's good. And simple is good. So I think that's one of the things that, that uh, I like about using Ruby in the first place. So yeah. I wanted to ask you, as long as I've got you on the phone here, are there any updates around water? <laughs> I was actually just going to say, as soon as we get water six out the door, this is the, it's the front of these page object gems. And, and I'd actually, I'm thinking about putting together something a little bit like gathering all of the disparate gems we have in the water community and trying to put them together in a way that that will make it easier for someone to just sit down and get started with with water with everything that they need but that's getting ahead of myself water six so selenium three has been released and water six is going to be based on selenium three and we have one more pull request that we need to it's probably the biggest change that we're making in water six and we weren't going to put it in there but then we decided that it's a major version release, and if we're going to do this major change, then we should uh, put it in Water 6. And so that's almost ready to go, and as soon as we finish that up, then we'll be able to release Water 6 to great fanfare. That's great. Are there any changes that you want to talk about that people might be interested in? The big thing with Water 6, I think I said this on the, the, first, the first one we did with the reboot for Water, but essentially Water 6 is a rebranding of Water WebDriver. And so the first major thing for Water 6 is that the Internet Explorer driver is going to, or the Internet Explorer implementation is going to be based on uh, Selenium and not Water Classic. Also, as a result of Marionette and Mozilla and the Firefox changes, the, the default browser is going to be Chrome. The default usage for Firefox is going to be with the Gecko driver to use Marionette with Firefox 48 and above. We added a selector for visibility, which is pretty cool, to be able to select an element based on whether or not it's visible. So okay. If, if you've got, like, like a lot of times you have, like, a sign-in and a sign-up form, but the, the forms are exactly the same except for one modal is visible and the other is not. Mm -hmm. and so I was finding myself having to pass in index numbers or, you know, put a, put whatever the, define whatever the element is at the beginning, and it's, it's I like, hey, if we could just put this this visible and... Actually, I stole it from Capybara. If I want to be truthful here, I've been looking at the stuff that Capybara has been doing, and there's a lot of really good stuff in there. And so I'm like, oh, hey, they've got this feature. We could totally do that in water. And let's see here. And I think, and so the big feature that we're looking to add here is how we're doing weights for elements. So essentially, if you're taking an action on an element, a lot of people pepper when present throughout their code. So they define an element, they do dot when present, dot click. And that's everywhere throughout the code. And mm -hmm. So we are going to change the default. So it essentially, it's a default to when present for whenever you're taking an action on an element that needs to be present for that action to take place. So I'm calling it automatic weights, essentially. So it's going to automatically wait for the things that don't make sense to do without the element being there and present. That's good. It should make it a lot, it should make tests a lot less flaky overall, and it should allow you to not have to think about whether or not to add certain things to the code in different places. It's just, it should re remove a lot of the repeatability. And we're, 
we're actually looking to remove when present altogether. And so it's just going to be wait until methods. And so we're, we put, I put together a, a frequently asked questions page that'll go up on our website as soon as uh, we release water six to kind of go over some of the, the common concerns we're expecting people to have and ask about. But I'm really excited. I really think this is going to be a major step forward for uh, improving the stability of tests that are written in water. Okay, that's good. Do people still have time to get feedback from Beta 5? Oh, absolutely. I always take feedback. Okay, great. <laughs> I mean, it's not going to be that hard to really. I, we want, another thing that we want to start doing is releasing more frequently going forward. And so hopefully 6.1 and 6.2 and 6.3 aren't, aren't far off and they don't have to be huge changes but you know, if we add if we add new features, I've again have another dozen ideas for things I'd like to see added, and uh, and Alex has a, a number of them as well. So we're going to be adding things and hopefully releasing more often. Okay, that's good. Looking forward to it. Thank you for listening. My site is dmcnella.wordpress.com, and my Twitter account is at dmcnella. So <laughs> Titus, do you have a Twitter handle? Yes, it's Titus Fortner. And, and my website, I've been blogging at watertight.com, W-A-T-I-R-T-I-G-H-T. It's a fun play on words for my time on the submarine. <laughs> hey, and if you want to hear more about that, you can uh, listen to Water Podcast episode 56, where I got to talk to Titus uh, about uh, a previous version of the Water Beta. Thank you for listening to the Water Podcast. You can leave a comment at soundcloud.com slash waterpodcast. You can donate to The Water Project at water.com. This podcast is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 International License. All links will be in the episode show notes. Music for The Water Podcast is by Lee Rosevere, entitled Puzzle Pieces, released February 2016 under the label Happy Puppy Records. <laughs>